You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Welcome in, everybody, to Building the Broncos. You're thinking to yourself, what in the Sam Hill is Chad Jensen doing co-hosting Building the Broncos? But the great Carl Dummler could not be with us tonight. So I'm stepping in temporarily, as I am wont to do, to join awesome Nick Kendall, Mr. Uh, Quarterback Grader himself. We're going to go through his grades. He had a great article a couple days ago on the Broncos. He's Nick is going to be grading the entire uh, Broncos roster going by position. And of course, when you start, you start with the quarterback. So we're going to go through that. Nick, how you doing, bro? Hey, doing pretty well. Honestly, the, it's typical for Carl and I talk about the weather. It's been pretty volatile here <laughs> in Iowa. We have had many tornadoes over the past uh, 72 hours and apparently a couple more likely in the next 48 hours. So trying to get to the weekend, trying to survive tornado apocalypse with everything else going on in the world. But other than that, doing pretty darn well. Can't complain too much. Did you have a chance to watch the uh, golf tournament the other day with Peyton versus Tom at all? I caught some of it, but I will be honest with you. I am not a watcher of golf. So I caught like some of the good clips on YouTube and some of the banter and whatnot. I saw Tom Brady splitting his pants. I mean, that's <laughs> who doesn't want to see that. That's hilarious. But yeah. uh, as far as watching it, nah, not for me. I'm just not a golfer. I, I like disc golf. Just never been a golfer. I love to play golf. Couldn't care less to watch golf. I mean, I'll watch it when I'm out there with the the fellas and, you know, whoever I'm playing with. I of course, you're going to watch it unfold, but watching it on screen. But, you know, there are some aficionados out there who just cannot get enough of watching golf even on, on screen. But I don't know, maybe if we, were, if we were in person. But even then, when you're golfing, Nick, half the time when you hit a drive, you can't – your own eye loses the ball. So yeah. I can only imagine that if you're watching there, I mean, aside from the short putting and some of the chips and whatnot, like the drives and some of the bigger par fours and fives, what are you really watching? You're watching the stroke. You're, you're, wa- you're losing the ball probably at least half the time. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would, would have made me got, gotten me into that is Peyton Manning banter just because he's so quick, right. smart, clever. I mean, some of his quips and digs are, I mean, I'd watch that. He could be sitting there just talking – to who gives a crap and I would tune yeah. in and listen to that. So, um, but golf itself and eh, not really for me. And honestly, like I said, I, I actually prefer disc golf cheaper. You don't have to get the tee times. And also I prefer being in the woods if I can help it. And a lot of those are wood covered, which is nice. What did you make of his cart? The only picture I saw was of his cart on the one side, on the left side, I believe on the driver's side. And it was decked out in Broncos colors, regalia, decals, whatnot. However, I heard that on the other side, it was Colts. I don't know if that's true. It was. Yep. One side Broncos, one side's Colts. I mean, he's a legend for both of them. He's not like a John Elway level legend for his whole career in Denver, but even I can't imagine somebody coming to Denver for four years and having an impact like Peyton Manning had during his tenure ever again. So, I mean, he's decided to make his home Denver. I wouldn't be surprised at some point if he makes a bid to be either what John Elway's doing right now or potentially even some sort of ownership situation with the Broncos in the future. So, I mean, he obviously still has a hand in football, some interest there. He's a smart, competitive guy. I would love to have him be the face of the franchise after John Elway kind of rides off into his second sunset. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see. Well, Matt Russell would sure get the short end of that stick, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, unless – I mean, obviously things can turn around here, and Broncos, if they look like they're trending in the right direction. So if they're doing well, I'm sure that you can find a position – for Matt Russell still, but uh, if Peyton's coming in, Peyton's going to want to have <laughs> some power, some play, and probably have his own guys there. So there'll probably be another situation for Russell elsewhere if the Broncos are trending in the right direction. He means a lot, obviously, to Broncos country, and I think recency bias plays a little bit into why he remains in Denver and also, <clears throat> you know, the fact that Jim Irsay did cut him. That did happen, and, you know, he's got a memory like an elephant, and I'm sure on some level of that future Hall of Fame psyche – Nick, that is not something that uh, is lost to this day on Peyton Manning. However, anyone who's been to Lucas Oil Stadium, I mean, both you and I have covered the combine in person. You drive by that stadium and what's right out front, not a statue of Johnny Unitas, not a statue of some of those other greats from the Super Bowl teams in Baltimore. 
But Peyton Manning, of course, you know, they call it the house that, that Peyton built. So a lot of ties, played 14 years in Indianapolis, obviously accomplished a lot of great things. So I think most Broncos fans understand that Peyton really has to balance both sides of that sword. It's, I mean, it's kind of a weird pissing contest between the fan bases from time to time. Doesn't really bother me. He won a ring and brought the Colts to relevance for many years. And then he came to Denver and we had four phenomenal seasons. So I'm just thankful we got to witness that. Guys, we're going to get into the main, <clears throat> excuse me, topics of tonight's show. I just want to really quickly welcome in those of you who've been hanging out in the room. We appreciate you guys. Duke, Andrew here checking in to let us know that he just got his blue Building the Broncos shirt in. Loves it probably too soon, but speculatively, he's wondering how training camp is going to look this year and with fans. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that, Nick, here in just a second. My message to you, Andrew, is make sure, rock that BTB shirt, put it on, take a selfie, and hit up myself, hit up Nick, hit up at BTB football pod, at huddle up pod, at mile high huddle on Twitter. Send us that selfie so that we can shout you out and uh, give you some love on social media. We'll get your question, Andrew, here in just a second. First, just a couple of really quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you're following the Building the Broncos uh, account on Twitter, the show, at BTB Football Pod. Easy to do. And that's how you stay on top of all of the podcast content that Nick and Carl are cranking out on a week-to-week basis. Easy to do. And then while you're at it, make sure you're also following the main account at MHH, at Mile High Huddle. And if you're in a position... Check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Get yourself a Building the Broncos hat like you see there from Nick. Now, this particular hat I'm wearing, Mile High Huddle, is not available on the merch store right now, but there are other MHH hats, hoodies, T-shirts. Each podcast has its own little swag corner, so depending on what your favorite is, maybe you love all three or you might have a sentimental favorite, whatever, there's something for you, male, female, nothing quite yet for kids except for the fact that there is – you know, there's a face mask that is a one size fits all. There's a there's a huddle up podcast. Not to not to put that on the BTB pod here tonight, but there's a huddle up football priest mug. There's a little something for everybody. If you're in a position to do that, it's a great way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And if not, gang, just subscribe. Especially if you're watching this live stream or even watching it after the fact on YouTube, please subscribe. We've got about 35 to 40 percent, Nick. I don't know if you're aware of this of our listening audience, our live viewing audience that consume these daily podcasts on YouTube, 35 to 40% of them are not subscribers, but they watch every single podcast. So help us get to 7,000. We are inching close. We have some big plans for crossing the 7,000 barrier. So subscribe, like the video. And if you love what we're doing for you here, covering your Denver Broncos, the best thing to do, share it out. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Nick, 
let's get to, let me grab this here really quick. Oh, thank you, Terry, jumping in with a $2 super chat. Hashtag Nick's Beer Fund. Proven as always. Up there in Canada, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. It's wherever you are. All right. So I guess Andrew's question about training camp, we'll get to that and then jump right into to the quarterback's piece. Your thoughts as an epidemiologist, a guy that's got kind of one foot in sports, one foot in that field, your best spin, your best estimation of what's going to happen. Well, I mean, it's trying to predict the future, which, as anybody knows at this point, is pretty darn hard to do. Obviously, we try to do that from here, talking about the upcoming season to modeling. There's always factors that you're never going to know. Things can turn on their head with new information. So, as standing at this point, it's really hard to imagine that they would have a training camp with fans. And, I mean, the stuff that, personally, I would want to implement to have a full-running training camp as far as tests available, uh isolation if there are positive tests so that that's all that can throw a wrench or a uh, some gear in there or some monkey yeah, gear, right. so to speak so yeah. uh, that's yeah that's that could be a big issue so as far as fans go uh, i i'm guessing this is probably not going to be the season for that yeah but I things would can change i mean things yeah. can change rapidly everyone knows that i kind of try to take an optimistic view on this but the one thing i'll say absolutely is i don't think there are going to be fans at training camp now in the stands at the games that remains to be seen. I'm still up in the air on that. We need more info. We need more time to pass. But I think the, the, the team at this stage, I mean, they don't really benefit monetarily from fans coming to training camp because everyone gets in free. And I know there are vendors and things around there that make some, a little bit of money, but it's not like it's something the Broncos as a franchise hang its hat, their hat on in terms of revenue. So better safe than sorry in this case. Yeah. And live to fight another day because Right now at this stage, the Broncos are holding true to their this, the start date for training camp, Nick, which is circled as July 28th or 29th. That's still six weeks away from the regular season opener. So th- it would be smart for them, even if it's nothing but good news, between now and the end of July, to just keep fans out for training camp so that they can hopefully bring them in when the season comes in some form, even if it's 50% capacity or 30% capacity or whatever they decide is the safest and most socially responsible, but still putting some butts in the seats. We'll see. Yeah. And I mean, the training camp, it's, it's a lot about getting fan loyalty. I mean, a lot of kids go there, you can get an autograph, get close and personal, way close, way closer and personal than you right. would at a game. So while that stinks that you might not have that this year, the main thing is getting the product on the field when you can get it there and still having some semblance of normalcy in regards to football while keeping as many people safe as possible. So fans, as far as training camp goes, I would, If I was a betting man, I would say probably not likely. All right. I'm going to do a quick share screen here. I want to start doing a better job of when we reference content at milehighhuddle.com, showing it to you guys, you know, making sure you understand what we're doing over here. Because sometimes I think most of our awesome audience, both on Facebook and YouTube, especially Facebook, they're well aware of what we're doing at milehighhuddle.com, covering the Denver Broncos on the Sports Illustrated Network but the YouTube people, I don't think sometimes they realize all the additional work and articles and videos and breakdowns that are happening at milehighhuddle.com. So this is an article that Nick published uh, yesterday, and it's part one in his – let me get rid of this video wants to follow me uh, – in his grading of the Broncos roster going position by position, starting with the quarterback position. And, of course, the main players here, we have Drew Locke, duh. Jeff Driscoll is going to be the veteran backup. Brett Rippon entering his second year, former undrafted rookie. And then this year's version of the undrafted rookie from Vanderbilt, Riley Neal. Now, you guys really should go read this article, but I'm going to boil it down here so that Nick can kind of explain where he's at on this with the grade overall. Grade, B-. minus. Nick, I could go through and read this. If it was Zach and I, I could read the quote, and then we can analyze it. But you're the one that said it. So what what's your take on – B minus. Why B minus? Why not an A? Why not even a lesser grade considering how unproven the room is? I think there could be an argument for both sides. Well, quarterback's a unique position where really you're only going to see one guy on the field. So while the backups, the entire room does make sense, you want to weight it to that what number one starter. It's not like wide receiver where you're looking at the number four, number five guys being contributors still. So obviously it mostly comes down to Drew Locke. If the Broncos did have a younger upside arm, let's say they took uh, – 
Jalen Hurts in the second round would have been a waste of a second round pick with not knowing exactly what Drew Lock is yet. But just for example, that could kind of change the grade. But right now, I think the B minus is probably a fair grade for Drew Lock, and that puts him in the average starting quarterback area. Now, after five games, I know that he went four of one. He had flashes, but the way I described the Scangarello offense with Drew Lock was essentially uh, the bike with training wheels on it. You know, they didn't ask him to do a whole lot from a mental perspective. Sometimes he's a little bit late on some of the reads. Sometimes he was a little bit. Uh, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for here? Ah, it'll come to me. But just he would make reads where he'd be a little bit overzealous. Skittish? Put it overzealous. In, not, not skittish, but, you know, like a gunslinger. You know, I can fit mm-hmm. that in there. It, your mechanics aren't great. You lose a little accuracy. You're a little bit late. Guess what? That's right. going the other way sometimes in the NFL. Yeah. So you saw that a little bit in the Houston game. He had a pick like that. He had a pick like that against the Chargers with Denzel Perryman. So sometimes just a little bit you know, overzealous. So I think it's good. We don't know enough about Drew Locke yet. There are flashes. There's the arm talent and something else that I think is really important to quarterback that uh, I did not wait enough when I was evaluating Paxton Lynch, but that's the attitude, the leadership, the moxie surrounding him. I mean, that really needs to have that around him. Now, granted that, you know, dancing on the sideline, rapping Jeezy, it's all fun. If the Broncos are getting beat by 30 points at home and you see him doing that, it's a totally different message. So that that does matter as well. You have to have that coming with uh, good play and everybody having fun. But overall, I think a B minus is a fair grade, but there is a large air bar on that B minus because Drew Locke is still such an unknown. Five games, we saw flashes. Cautious optimism is warranted. I already cracked the beer, Duke. I also see comments on the crack that beer, Nick. Um, but uh, I'm not saying beer, but there's there's something in there. Um, but uh, so B minus could be worse, could be lower. You know, if he plays poorly, could be a C minus or worse. But Drew Locke, I mean, five games, the flashes he had, there's a lot of upside there. The arm talent, the improvements that he showed, not only from college to preseason, but the preseason to when he came in those final five games, to the final five games as well. I mean, you saw just every single week getting a little bit better improving in areas. So he could end up being an A, but I just think given where we are right now with what we know, a B- minus is about as fair of a grade as you can get. And you're not really getting much padding of that grade with the likes of Jeff Driscoll, Riley Neal, and Britt Rippon. I was just going to say, especially considering the relative inexperience and unproven resume behind Drew Luck, I think that's a more than fair grade. And I mean, look, everyone's excited about Drew Luck. And it's not that anyone's telling you pump the brakes on being excited about Drew Luck. It's just that he still has a long road left to hoe in terms of really establishing himself as a bona fide NFL quarterback. Now, even though it was only five games last year, Nick, it's not like we learned absolutely nothing about Drew Locke. There's a reason why John Elway and the Denver Broncos built that nest, baby. I mean, they sold out almost completely to build around Locke. And then even after the draft, Elway talked about in his post-draft presser how nice it was for a change to have a quarterback to build around, right? And so these are the reasons why it is exciting and why Broncos country, I think, has so much to look forward to in 2020 and beyond, he's going to bump his head. He's going to go through trial and error. I mean, honestly, even in those five games he started last year, Nick, I thought, honestly, after those first three, he was going to go I, – I didn't think he was going to go a game without throwing a pick. There was just yeah. – it felt like there was always going to be that one obligatory throw that he wanted back that got taken the other way. And that's just part of a young quarterback testing boundaries, learning and figuring out what he can get away with. Uh, what he's capable of at the next level. This isn't Missouri. This isn't the SEC, as phenomenal as the SEC is. It's just a different animal. And real quick here, Brian Greenfield jumping in with a $2 super. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, more fishing this week, Chad. And he's referring to an email he sent me showing, what was it, Brian? Like a 60-pound fish you caught? Um, ridiculous. Really big fish, but good for you, my dog. I, I'm not a big fan of of fishing, Nick, but I, I, my way. I do like I like catching. I just hate sitting there for three hours with nothing. But when that fish hits the hook, I like cat. I like reeling them in, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on just sitting there twiddling my thumbs. All right. So one other topic we want to get to is you often hear the, I wouldn't quite call it a football cliche, but there is a debate within, you know, the, the football loving Analytics community. community. Yeah. Is our wins can wins should wins be attributed to quarterbacks in a meaningful way. So not necessarily is it a QB stat, but Nick and I have kind of opposing views on this. So Nick, I'll I'll let you defend your position. Nick's position is it's not, you shouldn't attribute wins and what base. I don't want to put words in your mouth. And if I do correct me, you shouldn't attribute wins to a quarterback's resume, statistics, box score, whatever. What's your thought process on that? 
Well, for the wins, I do think matter to an extent. Obviously, quarterback is the most important position on the field. And if you have a good quarterback, guess what? You're more likely to win the football game. That being said, you see some people attribute the likes, you know, Drew Lock four and one down the stretch. You know, that's fine and dandy, but there are a lot of variables that go into that four and one where if you're just attributing that to Lock, I think that you are leaving out a big chunk of the picture. I mean, look, yes, they went four and one. They had that awesome win at Houston. They went in and got spanked at Kansas City and they finished the year against Detroit and Oakland. Well, according to football outsiders, uh, the Oakland Raiders had the second worst defense in the entire NFL last year. And the Detroit lions had the fifth worst defense. So those are games at Denver at home and Broncos. I mean, again, they put training wheels on that offense. Granted part of that was because the offensive line was banged up to high hell and the weapons outside of Sutton and Fant, even though Fant was banged up too, but the weapons were diminished at that point as well. So putting the train wheels on the training wheels on the offense to protect lock as much as anything, but I mean, the, the four and one, you can go down the line. There have been plenty of quarterbacks, especially with small sample sizes. Small sample size is key here where, I mean, Brock Osweiler went five and two with that great Broncos defense down the stretch. Trevor Simeon, I think, started off five eight and four, four, eight and four. I mean, he start, he, they started off really hot. And uh, I mean, tr- Tim Tebow as well. So while t- wins, you do want to, they will be attached to the quarterback, right or wrong. It's just the, the weight of people leaning on that as a, an end-all, be-all factor of if a quarterback is good or not. Now, obviously, if it's over decades and you have a quarterback that's winning at a high rate, odds are that's going to come with a good win, win-loss win record. I mean, Peyton Manning had a good win-loss record because guess what? Peyton Manning was freaking good. But when it's such a small sample size and the variables, I mean, talking about the – it's as much dependent on the opponents across the way when it's such a small sample size. I just want to pump the brakes a little bit on that. Yeah. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I don't disagree with you that that you know it's, it's it shouldn't be considered any kind of end all be all for for quarterbacks because it I mean football is the ultimate team sport and that's something I don't want to get lost in this conversation. I'm that's not something that's lost on me. I just think that when it comes to, I mean look at look at as an example look at what happened when Peyton retired. It was still a you, I guess you had the championship level defense you know 2016 was still I think they finished top five in both the run and the pass as a defense so a lot of those pieces were still there Simeon came in and to your argument um you know it, it, he won some games one outkicked his coverage he did a lot better I think than a lot of people expected him to because the team was in such a good position but I mean the the flip side to that coin is if you look at I mean take the New Orleans Saints for example what do you think is going to happen when Drew Beats hangs it up I mean on the surface it looks like a very uh, – it, it not looks like – it is a very balanced and talented, explosive, dynamic roster, but could any quarterback just step in and keep those Ws coming? Yeah, probably not. And, again, it comes back to the large sample size with Drew Brees but, and something we talked about earlier as well as the, the intangibles of that quarterback position. I mean, let's say Drew Brees gets hurt. You have Jameis Winston going there. You have a guy who's probably you know a little better athlete, better arm talent. You know, Maybe something catches there. But you're not going to replace the leadership, the all the intangibles that you get with Drew Brees. So, you know, I, I do think it's an important factor, but it's kind of like, you know, a pitcher's win, win the loss record. You know, a, a pitcher could go out in there and pitch eight innings and give up one run and lose the game because his offense couldn't get to anything together. So it is a factor, but it's one that I would not, you know, if you're out there like saying, well, Drew Ock's going to be great because he finished four and one, I would just say that there's probably much more to that than then uh, you should hang your hat on that. Just the yeah. record. It's a piece to the puzzle. That's probably yeah. the one thing we both can agree on no matter what is that, you know, it's a piece to the puzzle and, you know, Locke didn't do it all himself. The Broncos did play better. You know, he had a kind of elevating galvanizing effect. It's one of the, to bring back an actual NFL cliche that, you know, a franchise caliber quarterback, or let's just say the right quarterback is the, uh, the tide that raises all ships. And you saw that with Drew Locke. Now, the question at this stage is going to be, was that fleeting? Was that a temporary spike? Because look at what look at the lift Brandon Allen gave the Broncos 
for six quarters after Joe Flacco hurt his neck in the Colts game. Allen comes out, beats a, a Browns team that had beaten the Broncos the year prior in December, beats Breaker Mayfield in the hapless 2019 Browns. So it's not like it was a major accomplishment, but it was a spark. Two more quarters in, they're, they're 20 points up on the Minnesota Vikings, and you're really thinking, man, this, this Brandon Allen, this, you know, solid. And then it all came crumbling down. So anytime there's a quarterback change, it usually comes with a spark. You know, the team gets a little bit of a boost, but then everything comes crashing down to earth. And when that spark wears off, it really does devolve back onto the quarterback. Do you have the wherewithal to hold your own contend and be a force to, to be reckoned with? And in Brandon Allen's case, that was proved clearly in the prevailing winds in upstate New York against the Buffalo Bills, that he's just not that guy. So Drew Locke, though, came in five games, sparked the team, really inspired, I think, the front office. And it's going to be fun, Nick, no matter what your take is. Uh, and this goes, I'm speaking to our listeners here, what your take is on whether wins should be attributed to quarterbacks or not. It's going to be really fun to see how Drew Locke progresses in his second year. Yeah, and I think the big thing, I sent you a piece today uh, talking about the Broncos are starting to work together. Uh, not the rookies, but a lot of them have met in Denver and they're starting to throw the ball around. And yeah. due to everything going on in the world right now and those rookies not being there, a new offense, a first year, uh, first off, first offseason for Drew Lock going in as the starting quarterback, there's a reason to think that this Broncos offense, even though they are young, a typical offseason, you'd see them be really volatile. You know, go one week and put up 40 points and put up less than 10, 10 the next. I think that's going to be even more the case this season, given the the funkiness of the offseason because of the predicament of the world. Amen. James has a question here and just some food for thought. He says, after having a good conversation with Buana earlier, going back to last year, would you rather have Noah Fant and Juwan James or Jared Cook and Juwan Taylor? Nick, I'll let you answer that one, my brother. Ah, that's a tough question because you have injury issues and concerns with both those tackles. You're paying big money for Juwan James. I think I like Noah Fant the most out of all those players. So I'm going to go with him, although I don't love the cost of Juwan James. That's the biggest thing that concerns me. But Juwan Taylor, he did. I think he gave up the most penalties last year. He actually had more holding penalties than Garrett Bowles, and uh, he struggled a lot in pass protection. Uh, Jared Cook is a, I mean, Jared Cook is kind of what you want Noah Fant to be, but Noah Fant is younger, healthier, and more athletic upside going into it. So I'd probably, Noah Fant, I think, is the best player of that bunch. Jawan James, he's still, I mean, when Jawan James played last year, that's the best the offense ever looked the whole season. I don't think that was an accident. So I'd probably go with that. Yeah. I mean, those 30 some odd snaps that he played on the road in Houston, as Nick said, man, there's a reason. And even look at it like, I don't want to be too tinfoil hat here, but the offense goes off in the first half and then he sits back down because his knees given out on him and Eli Wilkinson comes back in that second half. And it's not that the Broncos offense disappeared. I do believe they put up another 10 points in the second half, but it was nowhere near the, the fireworks that it was in the, in the first half. And that's not all attributed to James, but still to the point, it was a better looking offense with Juwan James at right tackle. And that's what the vision this front office and coaching staff had is James at right tackle. So here's to hoping Nick that, he actually is able to play more than whatever it was, 60 snaps, I think, 60-some-odd snaps uh, yeah. and making 14-something million dollars last year. And I do Taylor want to reiterate, uh, Juwan yeah. James, there are concerns about degenerative knee issues, so that's enough for me to be concerned about him. I mean, no offense, the best player of that bunch, so that's the one I'm going to roll with. Just the best, give me the best player. That is very concerning. Very concerning. Michaela jumping in, one of our Super Chat superstars. Really appreciate you, Michaela. Very generous super. She says, any chance Peyton will go into the Hall of Fame both as a Colt and a Bronco? Now, Nick, it used to be that they would pick – they'd have to kind of pick a team in terms of how they would be attributed going into the Hall as a Viking, going into the Hall as a Bronco, et cetera. That's not really the case anymore. So I don't think he will have to pick a team per se, but let's say push came to shove and this were an issue in which you would have to say, are you going into the hall as a Bronco or as a Colt? Which one would you see? I, I honestly think that he would go in as a Bronco, even though he only played four years compared to 14 in Indy because he achieved almost as much in that four year span in Denver and the Broncos, even though there was some passive aggressive things in that final year from what happened between him and Kubiak, 
to, uh, you know, before the season started, Elway asking him to take a little bit of a haircut, take off $4 million, earn it back in incentives. He earned back every nickel that he, that he allowed to be taken off of his salary. But anyway, I think he, I would, I would be willing to, to put a little money on it that he would end up going in as a Bronco, but it's not going to go. It's not, it's not going to shake out that way. Yeah. He doesn't have to pick one. And honestly, he shouldn't alienate the fans on either side. If you had Peyton, you know, in a press conference with the media, he'd give a really good polished answer because that's who Peyton Manning is. It would seem genuine and authentic, but he'd been thinking about it and it'd been rehearsed. So he'd know what to say. But I think, you know, if you had a few drinks with him out on the golf course, he'd tell you that he's a Bronco. I think that there is some bad blood there between him and Ursay. And the fact that he's really been lurking around Denver still, I mean, that's his home, Colorado. I think that's what he would pick in the end. But I mean, he's, he's both a Colt and a Bronco. And you know, you talked about, he built the the house that Peyton built. Peyton was also extremely generous and huge for the uh, children's hospital there in Indianapolis. Yep. So I mean, he's got a, he's got a legacy in both ends. He's he does. been great anywhere he's gone, and that I mean, that's just a you know hats off to him because he's done such incredible things both on and off the football field wherever he's gone. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Robert wants to know if we make money off of MHH DVDD other pods besides Super Chats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a long time we didn't make hardly any money podcasting for a long, long time. It was a labor of love. It was just something we wanted to do. It's been something that's been Nick's primary focus ever since he and I crossed paths and we, and we joined forces on MHH, but um, we are associated the podcast. When you hear the huddle up podcast, come on in the intro uh, presented by mile high huddle powered by overtime media. We work with overtime media as a network and that network sells ads on our podcast. So that allows us fortunately to monetize our podcasts and you know, it's not all the money in the world, but uh, we don't like to spend too much time talking about how our brand is monetized. And frankly, I don't think it's something that a lot of fans really care all that much about Robert, but I hope that gives you at least a little something, something Bobby jumping in. And by the way, Bobby's in Iowa, like you are, Nick, she says, yes, I'm very generous, super. Thank you, Bobby. And your t-shirt, as you know, is on the way it has shipped. Uh, She says, thank you, Chad and Nick, for starting the pod, talking about Peyton Manning. He's the reason I became a football fan. Love Broncos country. Thank you guys for the great pod. Go Broncos. Nick, that's one thing. Thank you, Bobby. That's one thing that was really cool as, you know, I've been following the Broncos since I was a child, right, since since the mid-'80s. And the Tim Tebow mania wave was really fun to ride. You can remember that as well as I can in 2011. But when Peyton came, man, everything changed. And by the end of 2013, all those, you know, 55 touchdowns, 606 points, and getting all the way to Super Bowl 48, they had taken the Bron- – he had basically taken the Broncos from, you know, one of the winningest and, and, you know, when it comes to being a class of the league, sure, the Broncos have always been up there. Pat and John Elway, it's well-established. But Peyton took the Broncos bona fide, even though short-term, I don't think this holds true today, but especially after three consecutive losing seasons. America's team for a very short time, based on polling, the Broncos leapfrogged the Dallas Cowboys as America's team. And that can be attributed to Peyton Manning. Yeah. I mean, again, there's not a more personable, funny guy. I mean, I know that maybe some people, there are some politics that could alienate some folks if he spoke down that grand, that's the world we live in today. But Peyton, I mean, just he's more, he was football at that time. And I know that, you know, we're going through all these 30 for 30s right now. He's got the Michael Jordan one, Lance Armstrong. I can't wait, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Obviously, there'll be one on the, the Patriots dynasty, but I need a Larry Bird versus Magic Johnson style back and forth of Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady because those guys, they were football in their yeah. era. They were football. Yeah. How many? So, of course, two AFC championship games fought as Broncos and Patriots between Man- Manning and Brady. Was it two additional? Was it? Four total, because I think didn't they have two Colts, um, Colts Patriots title games? I think they had a divisional round one as well. Mm. I think so. I don't think yeah. they always met uh, one and two, but I mean you that's just, incredible. <laughs> you just hope that when you know Peyton retired, Brady won't be too much farther behind him. Um, Breeze not a whole heck of a lot longer for the NFL. You hope that some of these younger bucks, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is here to stay. That's that's not a flash in the pan. That's that's a reality. But who's going to rise up and create that next, you know, mono a mono marquee quarterback throwdown of the next generation? Because even Aaron Rodgers getting really long in the tooth. 
Ben Roethlisberger hanging on for dear life. Is it going to be Patrick Mahomes, Drew Locke? Only time will tell. It's way too early to, to weigh in on that. And by the way, Brian here is saying it was a 65 to 70 pound black drum. I don't even know what that is, but that's the kind of fish that he hauled in. He showed me a picture and it was phenomenal. Um, Holden, hey, Nick, isn't there some stud tackles in the 2021 draft? If Bowles, James, or both struggled this year, do we take one in round one? Well, it's definitely a possibility, but it depends on where the Broncos are picking and how the board falls. I mean, you have a number of needs and directions you could go. An offensive tackle right now seems like it would be the number one need for this team. But, I mean, if a great if you have a cornerback there that's rated higher than any tackle left on the board, you probably go with a cornerback. The Broncos tried to trade up for Patrick Queen in this last draft. They're looking for a three-down linebacker with coverage ability. Vaughn Miller's getting old in the tooth. Bradley Chubb has two ACL injuries, maybe an edge rusher. So there's a number of directions they could go. It depends on how the board falls, how they've graded the individual players. But I would say right now, in an ideal world, the best player on the board when the Broncos pick, if it could be any position, it would be an offensive tackle to really just, you know, rubber stamp and send off this offensive this offensive unit as a whole into the future to hopefully compete with the Chiefs. Amen to that. We've got to grab this super from Ned Ludlow. The, Cheers. The hashtag of the Building the Broncos podcast, Nick's Beer Fund. Really appreciate the uh, support there, Ned. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, let's see here. Also, James jumping in with uh, my, uh, my hydration, which is great. Congrats on the new pot. Hashtag Nick's Beer Fund. Yeah, so I, I broke the ice on that. I let the cat out of the bag on last night's Huddle Up podcast, Nick, on um, Monday night show. We haven't officially named the podcast yet. That's probably already been decided, but we'll just hold off until it debuts. But nevertheless, talk about what you got cooking with uh, – Luke Patterson for Saturday nights. Everyone set your clock from here on out. You set your calendars. Saturday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's going to be their new show. Yep. Uh, Luke obviously came on when we were doing the NFL draft. Uh, he's been around the block a little bit, done some podcasts. I like, we did not agree on every single topic, which is good, but he was able to be polite about it. And we had good conversations around our differing opinions. And that, that's what makes good talk shows. So, and it wasn't like he was firing off hot takes or anything like that. You know, he had educated opinions. We just disagreed. So right. I'm really excited to talk with him about that. And hopefully we don't get uh, too much in the echo chamber that we start to rub off on each other in that regard, but uh, I'm excited for it. And another person to talk football with, I'm, it's, it's my favorite medium. I mean, I, I obviously enjoy writing for you guys. I enjoy all the Twitter stuff, but uh, getting to come on here and talk football is my, by far my favorite thing. Amen. It's going to be a great podcast. And, you know, I think a lot of fans, obviously, you know, Monday through Friday, that's when fans are used to doing other things. They're, they, they have their commutes, they have their rituals, they have their, you know, the ways that they work their favorite podcasts and content into their lives. And for a lot of people, I'm not speaking for everybody, but because I'm listening to podcasts, literally, I've got something in my ear all day long, every day. Uh, but Saturdays, Sundays, Friday nights, people tend to kind of let off the brakes and they got things going, right? Life goes on. You got social things going on. Kids games are happening on Saturdays. Obviously what's happened the last two months has kind of put a, a stranglehold on that. But nevertheless, Saturdays henceforth and, and beyond Fridays and Saturdays. So Dove Valley Deep Divers is going to remain at on Friday nights. And now this new show with Luke and Nick on Saturday. And I'm telling you guys, you're gonna, that's appointment watching, appointment listening. It's going to be a great show. And I'm personally really looking forward to it. Robert here says, I saw a video that showed Drew Locke's step back method was effective. His biggest was telegraphing where he was throwing his ball. It was a good video. Nick, I think it might have been the one you shared in the community section at milehighhuddle.com. Yeah, no, it was. It kind of did a juxtaposition between Drew Locke's footwork in shotgun and the, the three step drop versus Joe Flacco's and Joe Flacco his footwork gaining more depth, but also taking more time to develop and that's creating a, an easier angle for edge rushers against the tackles compared to Drew Locke. So that's something to watch. I'm curious. I mean, it'd be interesting to talk with Scangarello, Drew Locke, uh, TJ McCartney, just to see if that was something that was discussed, maybe cultivated there or uh, noticed before between Joe Flacco and Drew Locke, specifically the three-step drop and how it impacted the offensive line. I mean, obviously it was 
easy to see, even though the offensive line was mangled and just yeah. named down the stretch, how much better they were with Drew Hawk back there, getting the ball out quickly and being able to throw the ball off platform with some accuracy still. I mean, he's still, it's not as bad as it was in college, but he still does have a tendency to throw off platform when there's nobody around and lose accuracy, kind of the ball sails on him. No reason to do that when the pocket's clean, keep good mechanics, right. keep a good lower base, but he can do that. And all that other stuff that was talked about in that video was a, it was a really good one. Go check out mile high huddles, uh, communities community page. Uh, I did post that there yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it there. Very. It's a small YouTube channel, but he did a great job with that piece of content. So hopefully his little channel there grows. I know I, I'm pretty sure I subscribe to the channel on mile high huddle YouTube. So if uh, nothing else, check that out. You'll be able to find it that way. Now, Robert kitchens has a question. Do you guys think that our new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, will set Drew Locke back a year having to learn a new system? Nick, what are your thoughts on that topic? I mean, setting him back a year, I don't know if that's what I would say. I mean, obviously, it is a setback of sorts because they're having to learn a new offense and different points of emphasis, et cetera, et cetera. But setting him back a year, you you might see a little bit of, again, some volatile nature of the offense early on, but hopefully Pat Shermer, I mean, he was sought after for a reason. The bears really wanted him. The only reason Scangarello was fired wasn't as much because Scangarello wasn't the guy they wanted. It's just because Shermer became available and they wanted Shermer. So that, I mean, that's super highly for him. So will it potentially cause a little bit of slowness and some erratic play out of the gate? I'm sure. But I think overall, by the end of the year, hopefully you'll start to see things humming, picking up new young, really young offense. And we'll see the flashes, the optimism, and it's going to be more about, I think, what this offense is going to do 2021, 2022 than what 2020 is. 2020 is kind of the, the buildup, hopefully get a playoffs, yeah, get a little bit of experience in that regard. You're probably going to get bounced. But, I mean, if you can get that and you see those flashes, that's what we want this season. Those are my yeah. expectations, my, my hopefulness, at least. The one thing that you can kind of hope for is the Shermer-Shula effect on Drew Locke in terms of potentially accelerating his learning curve within that new scheme because – I mean, look at Daniel Jones as an example. He, there's a lot to like about his game coming out of Duke. And, but let's just say from a physical tools, traits perspective, not sure that he really holds a candle to Drew Locke. And yet, in terms of production on the field, in his 12 starts last year for the Giants under Shermer and Shula, 24 touchdowns, 12 picks. He ended up, when you factored in all his fumbles and whatnot, being a turnover machine that ended up outweighing his touchdowns. But still, just looking at his touchdown to interception ratio in 12 starts, 24-12. And what that shows me is that Pat Shermer and Shula have a unique ability not to dumb down an offense for a quarterback, but it's, a first of all, a quarterback-friendly offense. And they have a way to reach and communicate it with the young guys on a level that is that is graspable. That's not a word, but they can they can, you know, reach out, touch it, grab it, and absorb it, assimilate it, and turn around – and, and actually convert it to play on the field. So that's the one thing. I mean, and, and that's also something that Shermer has going for him at a lot of different stops in his NFL uh, resume. So we'll see how much that'll hold true. Drew Locke, you know, at least he did have five games to be exposed to kind of NFL speed, NFL. You know, I'm sure he learned a lot about himself in those five starts and what he's capable of, but it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. You got Lee over here on Facebook saying he's going to be top 12. Look at all those weapons. Maybe not in 2020, if you ask me. I mean, I think this year, because of everything going on again for the millionth time, but I think this year you're going to see it be an offense that's much more predicated on the run game. I mean, you did pay Melvin Gordon. You have Philip Lindsay. You have a good interior offensive line on paper, and you have a good defense. So that all plays it out to kind of a more old-school team. But I think you're going to see the team start trending the direction of the more high-flying passing offenses the further we get down the line. James jumping in again, our friend from across the pond, also helps out a lot in the MHH super fan, Bronco super fan Facebook group. Really appreciate that, Super James. He says, like MLB considers quality starts more so than wins. What does a 2020 stat line for a quality start look like on around on around 30 attempts per game? What do you well, think, Again, it probably depends on the defense you're playing and the like. So those are important variables. Playing the Raiders defense versus, let's say, the Steelers defense, who could be the best in the NFL next year. That's going to be a different story. But you're looking for a Brown 65 percentage completion percentage, uh, but hopefully a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. 
and also the money downs. You want to see good jobs on third downs. You want to see him moving the ball. You want to see him converting in the red zone. So it would be interesting to kind of have a a quality start uh, formula for the quarterback. But again, so much is dependent on the defense they're going against that it wouldn't be uh, apples to apples for a quarterback week to week. And for what it's worth, all of those metrics that Nick just landed on in terms of quarterback stats and team stats that the quarterback affects, red zone, third down efficiency, those stats improved from week 13 on for the Denver Broncos. And had Drew Locke not been able to move the needle, man, I mean, I could pull up the end of season, the season and review that shows where the Broncos finished, but they were bottom third in, even though he elevated them, they still finished bottom third in both of those categories. I shudder to think what it would have been had it just been Flacco and Allen's contributions. So that's another positive thing to. I think if that would have happened, Justin Herbert's a Bronco. I think Elway would have moved up and gotten Justin Herbert. I really yeah. do. So, I mean, Drew Locke, I think we're not at the point anymore where does Drew Locke belong in the NFL? That's not a question anymore. Even if, let's say, the Broncos move on from him next year because he does only okay and they go get Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's a timeline where that happens, you know, crazy stuff. Right. But um, I think it's more likely right now the question is it's between does Drew Locke belong in the NFL? The answer is yes. Is Drew Locke a franchise quarterback? That remains to be seen. That's the big question if we can walk out of 2020 answering that, that's a win. Even if it's no, I think that's a win because it gives the Bronco uh, an idea with the direction they need to go. But that's that's the biggest thing. That's honestly the biggest thing for this entire season. Absolutely. I think he showed franchise quarterback traits, but he still has to put it all together. Yep. And the biggest thing, you know, we knew what he brought to the table as a talent in terms of his tool chest. It was really cool seeing how his intangibles affected the equation last year. That's what was so illuminating to me and and just seeing the jump he made from the deer in the headlights in in game three preseason where he hurt his thumb you know not not to completely sell him short but very much the rookie you know deer in the headlights look to the player that he was even when he stepped out on the field in week 13 after an 11 week exile on injured reserve just what the way he conducted himself out dueling philip rivers in that game and emerging out on top told us a lot about drew lock and so it's going to be fun to see how it shakes out. Kenneth here is bringing up, he says, I remember a few days ago, you touched on the Broncos having a Twitter feud. What was that all about? It was just simply a, a little spat centered on the word that shall go unnamed between the Harrises that remain on this club. Uh, Devontae Harris, the corner, and Shelby Harris, the defensive lineman. Teammates in Denver, and both went to uh, Illinois State as well. Was it a beef? Maybe not a beef. That might be overselling it hyperbole a little bit. Was it a throw down no was it a dust up yeah and if it wasn't honestly the depths of the offseason with nothing happening and no sports for two months it's probably not even something that gets covered by milehighhuddle.com but it's not really anything to worry about my friend all right let's see what else we got here chris hernandez speaking of super chat superstars it's good to see you my friend jumping in with a very generous super i like and, that uh, 50 glass amen to that it's good to see you chris and uh, it's been a while since we saw you. I, I want to say, I don't know, week and a half, but it's good to have you in the stream. Thanks for the support. You know, we appreciate you, my brother. And uh, hopefully you saw, yeah, you, you're aware of that when we shouted you out on MHH Instagram, rocking that mask like a boss. All right, let's see what else we got here from KP, Big Kev down in Florida. Appreciate the super, my friend. He says, what's up, family? Another day closer to kick off. Hashtag Florida strong. Hashtag tailgate tent amen to that kp it's good to see only you 111 go. days but <laughs> there counting. you go who's counting indeed uh here's an interesting question or topic from clay on facebook far be it from us to neglect our facebook audience or we probably need to get one on periscope and we'll see if there's anyone watching on twitch but clay here on facebook wants to know i don't see elway getting extended in 2022 so his contract does run through 2021 do we get Peyton for GM at that point? Nick, before I serve this over to you, this is something, a topic that Zach and I delved into, I don't know, a couple pods back. And one of the things that we've we've been saying is that it's it feels like Elway is working toward a passing the baton to Matt Russell as the succession plan for Elway being groomed. I mean, Elway's learned a lot about scouting in front office from Russell. But at the same time, he's being groomed on how to be the leader of a franchise and all that stuff, too, where he's learning from Elway. What's your answer here for Clay 2022 and beyond? First of all, 
is Elway going to be still in this Bronco front office in 2022 and the idea of Peyton for GM? I mean, that's a great question. It depends a lot on how the Broncos are doing. If let's say they make the playoffs and are looking good down the stretch, I think Peyton or John Elway could probably wash his hands, maybe take a little bit less of a, a frontline role. And I was, you make a good point, Matt, Matt Russell. I mean, was he really given the the PR chances that he had this past offseason? I mean, I feel like they've really started to put Matt Russell in the in the foreground in regards to the Broncos and uh, their talk with the general public or general public. So it's possible. I think with Peyton Manning, I think it's less likely to see him as a GM, but more of some ownership sort of role. And that's the big cloud hanging over everything. I mean, until the Broncos ownership situation is settled, it's really hard to speculate which direction they're going to go because you could have an owner come in and they want to be, you know, Jerry Jones. That changes everything. You could have an owner coming in and they just want to have the the business side of things, you know, the operations, making the money off of it. And then Matt Russell, I mean, good for him, probably in that scenario. So really until the ownership situation is squared away, we just, it's too hard to say. Amen. It really is. It's too far out, but we'll see how it shakes out. Mark from across the pond, jumping in on Facebook to say, Hey guys, longtime Broncos fan here in the UK have been listening to your various podcasts for some time but never get to watch the live stream as it's gone one in the morning, our time. Thank goodness for insomnia tonight. Nice to be able to post in the stream for once. Keep up the great work. Mark, very cool. I'm glad you chimed in with a, uh, with a comment there in the, in the chat. Really good to see you. And I'm glad you're able to jump in on the conversation, my friend. Let's grab Mike Evans here. One of our bona fide super chat superstars. And Mike, you know, I, I, uh, engaged in some now don't get your minds out of the gutter self-flagellation last night because we missed your super chat we actually missed big mike evans super chat last night and i was kicking myself that's what it means by the way guys i i really uh i really hated when that happens so we appreciate you showing some love to the btb pod tonight mikey he says do you think kareem jackson will keep his skills at a high level through 2021 which is how long his contract runs Will we have to draft a safety in the first three rounds next year? Appreciate y'all. Nick? Well, I think it's definitely possible that Kareem Jackson, given his headiness and his versatility, could still be a really good safety. Now, is he going to be the starting safety? Is he going to be that third safety where he can come in and play some nickel snaps? I mean, the thing with a Vic Fangio defense, especially with the safeties, is you've got to wear so many different hats. I mean, you got to come down. You have box snaps. you got slot snaps. you got uh, two deep safeties. They don't really ask the guys to do single high that much, but there's a lot that they ask those safeties to do. And they'll use three safeties a lot. I mean, Will Parks last year, excuse me, down, down the stretch, he was essentially that nickel cornerback. So I think Will Kareem Jackson, you will start to look for a contingency plan for him because that play is going to in- inevitably drop at some point. I mean, he has had that 30-year-old mark. But I think the versatility he offers, I mean, you have a guy who's going from cornerback to safety. He can last a while at safety, especially because the the intelligence he shows there. So you're looking for another safety next year, rounds one through three. It's possible. Again, it depends on how the board falls. It depends on the evaluation of the player that's staring at the Broncos in the face. But safety is a position that you could look for. And, you know, there's a little bit of nuance to that answer as well, where that safety could potentially be a cornerback. I mean, you could get somebody like Ohio State's Sean Wade, who played mm-hmm. slot last year for Ohio State. Now he's going to go play boundary this year for Ohio State. But in the NFL, maybe he's best as a slot slash safety type of player. So with the Vic Fangio defense, specifically with how how much he asks those safeties to do, the different positions they have to play on that back back seven of the defense, it's definitely something I would look at. And honestly, that third safety, right now it's Trey Marshall. That's a that's an issue for me on this defense. I think that's a this team. Where I mean, I'm more concerned about cornerback because Boye has been injured. Callahan's been injured. After that, it's a heap of who knows what. But if we're talking about in a perfect world, if you're going to really use that third safety, especially in big dime looks, right now the Broncos, I mean, Trey Marshall, uh, I don't know. He's an unknown. So that's that's where I stand on that. It's definitely possible. I don't want to derail the podcast too long on on third safety questions here. But since we're together here, I don't think I've actually gotten your opinion on this. This is out for my curiosity. Your thoughts on a saying Bassey, and Douglas Coleman, two undrafted rookies. I think it was Eric that said to me, Eric Trickle, that when they first signed Coleman, I was like, what's up with this dude? Who is this? Because I don't know. You guys know this. I don't know the freaking all 300 dudes that enter into a draft class or whatever. Uh, and he said he's like the quintessential Fangio defensive back. And that Asang Bassi, he had like a six-round grade. Anyway, your thoughts on those two guys and how they might fit into that same umbrella. 
They definitely have a chance, but that's one of those things where, especially the undrafted guys, I have opinions on them coming in the draft. I thought Bassey, you know, he's small and didn't test the best, but he's smart, could be a good nickel cornerback. Um, and then Coleman, a lot of picks, granted, in the Big 12, some of those picks were more the opportunity than him showing off range and skills. Granted, there is something to be said about finding the ball and getting it, but it wasn't like you were seeing crazy range plays from him. There's a reason both those guys were undrafted free agents. But I'm personally, with guys undrafted free agents, even you know round six, six and seven, I'm waiting until I get to see those guys training camp preseason when they're up there and it's a much more an even playing field and they're in this situation. So, oh, we got a Eagles thing coming in here too. So yeah, Eagles, uh, a Twitch, a Twitch question, and you know, like I've said many times, I know I'm not a gamer, so I don't, I know next to nothing about how to make Twitch really work for MHH and how to reach Broncos fans on Twitch. I was just simply told by someone I really trust in the digital media landscape that we need to start streaming to Twitch. So, Ted FX, we appreciate you joining the stream, my friend. Obviously, an Eagles guy. He wants to know if the Broncos could trade Royce Freeman. So he's interested in this Royce Freeman guy, all right, that we all know quite well for nickelback safety, Cravon LeBlanc from the Eagles. I mean, I guess it's possible, but player-for-player player trades are so rare in the NFL. You don't see them very often. So I think it's more likely that you'd see if the Eagles want Royce Freeman, maybe you're you're sending a 2021 fifth-round pick, and the Broncos are sending Royce Freeman and a conditional seventh. But for Craviot uh, LeBlanc, he's again, the Broncos have like 10,000 guys that are s- similar to him in regards to, are they good enough to be starters? Are they Jags? Ugh, you know, you kind of back and forth on that. So I, I doubt you'd see a player for player trade, but maybe something by the end of the preseason Broncos are looking for a guy of that specific niche. Maybe they'll ship off some day three picks for us. something like that. I'm cutting off the first half of Billy's question here. Long story short, Billy wants to know if we're going to do, you know, the gut reaction is still, a thing and we plan on doing the gut reaction after every game this coming season including of course preseason but we've been getting a lot of requests nick i don't know if you've been getting them on btb but we've been getting a lot of requests for us to similar to what we did during the draft while games are ongoing streaming live sharing our observations live during the game and we obviously it's something that's being kicked around but what, tell our listeners what your immediate gut reaction would be to the idea of participating in live streams during the game. That would be interesting. The one thing selfishly that my thought is, is that I worry that it would take away some of my attention to the game because I'm trying to analyze the game for myself. So that way I can really, you know, think about it on an upper tier level rather than just down here. So that would be a concern, but if there's demand for that and there's a community that would be there to engage with, that seems like that would be interesting. I mean, I never even thought about something like that before. So uh, obviously some pros and cons to it. I'd need to marinate on marinate on yeah. it a little bit, but uh, right. I'm intrigued. Call, call me intrigued. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe we'll give it a test run in the preseason and see how it works out. It's it's not just a matter of taking the time and, and live streaming, but we also are doing a lot of things during these games from a content perspective at milehighhuddle.com, including our long tradition of having an open thread conversation during the game on the site itself. And we could probably put the stream into that, right? We could copy paste the stream link, put it in there so people can, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways we could attack it. So maybe we'll, we'll do a test run on a preseason game and just see how it goes. Brian jumping back in with a $2 super. Appreciate you. My friend, he says, what are your expectations for Cushionberry? in 2020. Now, Nick, I'm one of those guys that if I don't check myself, I can get a little out over my skis, getting excited about rookies, especially those in the premium rounds. And thank God for guys like Nick who pump the brakes on the, you know, not, not to call Nick a half glass empty guy, but he's a guy that always injects a dose of realism to bring you back down to earth and keep your expectations in check. What's your answer for Greenfield here? I think Cushenberry should be the starter at center. I mean, drafting, a, I think it was the 83rd overall pick, that one you got from the Steelers. So and in your offensive line that early, you are expecting them to be a starter. And Cushenberry, actually at LSU, I thought that his pass protection sometimes needed some work. Now, great, some of that was the Joe offense where they did not offensive line that much. I mean, they're out there. They're out there saying weapons in space. I mean, that was the name of the game. And it worked because I mean, they won the championship. Joe Brady goes from passing coordinator, offensive coordinator of the NFL. It worked. But Cushenberry, I don't think he's 
that he will be the starter of the season. I think a chance that Patrick Morris or Austin Slotman play better than him. So it's really a wait to see thing. But it, right now, if again, if, if they were Vegas, who's going to be the winner of the season, Barry should be the guy you bet on. But it's not a it's not a guarantee just yet. I'm just curious, guys, if uh, you guys were seeing this Nick breaking up during that spell. I'm worried it's that it's my internet because my internet has been being weird, and I have them coming out, but it's been delayed because of what's going on. So. If you guys got that breakup on your end, I'd be curious to know if it was Nick breaking up. Was it the whole stream breaking up? Give us a little feedback on that. We're running out of time, Nick. Here we are at 57 minutes, so let's grab Ginger Ninja 88. He wants to know, what is the ceiling in the uh, stat ceiling for Cortland Sutton uh, could possibly have this year? I could see 1,400 yards, double-digit touchdowns. Our rookie wide receivers could come on slow this season due to the you-know-what. Hashtag MHH gang Denver Broncos for life. What do you see as the ceiling for Cortland Sutton this year? Well, hopefully I'm not. Uh, let me know if I am. Apparently I was before. Go ahead. I'm just looking here. A message from Buana. He's saying on the phone and computer, it appears to be Nick. And then John sent, uh, or uh, someone else is saying uh, audio is bad on both. So maybe we need to, maybe we need to wrap this particular pod up. You know, we hate cutting out early, but, why don't you just try it? Let's just see. Worst case scenario, I can edit this out for the podcast after the fact when we upload it to the RSS feed. I can even edit it out of the live stream after the fact too. But try and answer for Ginger Ninja here because he's been patiently waiting to get this one in. So I think that probably not likely you're going to see Cortland Sutton with that high of a statistical output just because there's more mouths to feed. I mean, he's going to be, I think, better per touch. But as far as a volume target, I just don't see it with this many guys. And I'm getting the message, by the way, that we're back. We're good. All right. So awesome. Good to, you know, I think honestly, he's going to be barring injury. He's a thousand yard guy henceforth. And until he starts slowing down as a player, it's just a matter of with so many additional mouths to feed, what can you really bank on? I know the over under on Jerry Judy, as an example, is uh, 800 and what was 870 something yards. I mean, I would be stunned if uh, he gets a whole heck of a lot more. I, I took the over barely, but, I mean, Eddie Royal had one of the most prolific rookie seasons as a, as a rookie wide receiver for the Denver Broncos back in 2008, came just shy of 1,000 yards, and it was an all-time rookie record for this, for this team. So, you know, it's not like 1,000 yards is just easy, something you just pull out of your pocket, boom, here's 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns. We got to keep it within the realm of the of the feasible. Well, I think Vegas also builds into their over unders the possibility of injury. So if Jerry Judy pulls a hammy and is out four weeks, well, there goes the chance at a thousand yards. So that's something that is is worth pondering when you're looking at those lines. Periscope, good time sports. What about Manning? I'm I'm not sure exactly what you're asking there, my friend. So thanks for joining us on Periscope on Twitter. It's good to see you. All right, guys, we got to kind of wind this one down here. What's that, Nick? It says apparently I'm still bad on breaking up. <laughs> Nick's still bad. I don't know. It could honestly, you know, you might not be aware of this. We've been having problems with mine, even though I'm literally within – I can touch my router right now. I've, I've gone back and forth from plugging into the router directly. Like I tell everyone, if you can, plug into your – something's. it could be me. It could be me, even though it's showing Nick because the stream is originating from my side. So it could be me, and if that's the case – uh, guys, just know that we're getting that worked on here very soon. There is a service ticket with my Comcast provider to get that taken care of here at MHH Central. All right, guys, thank you for joining us tonight, building the Broncos. Nick, I appreciate you inviting me on. It's a gas to talk football with you as always, my friend. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. I saw some people ask, is Carl okay? Carl is okay. He <laughs> had obligations tonight, so he'll be back yeah. next week. Yeah, it's nothing to worry about, gang. Carl is is going to retake his rightful spot here opposite of Nick on building the Broncos. How long have you guys been podcasting together now? Is this the fourth football season? I want to say 17, 18, 19, 20, I think. This is going to be the fourth season of, you know, it was huddle up draft, now then became, you know, nine months in, I want to say, officially building the Broncos. But fourth season, I think, right? Our first time potting together was the Garrett Bulls draft. Yeah. So 2017. Man, time flies. Time flies when you're having a blast. 
It really does. All right, gang, make sure you're following Building the Broncos on Twitter at BTB Football Pod. And also you want to make sure you're following Nick Kendall here at Nick Kendall, MHH, and Carl, for what it's worth, at Carl Dumbler, MHH. Easy to find both those guys. If you like what you saw tonight, make sure you give this video a like. If you love what you saw and heard tonight, share this thing out. And another message to our YouTube listeners, please subscribe, you guys. It helps the channel. And you can also click the notification bell and be notified every time a new video uploads or a stream gets scheduled or a stream goes live. So, And if you're in a position, guys, another reminder, get one of these handsome Building the Broncos trucker hats. Go to huddleuppod.com, find it, grab it, get it. It will get shipped out to you ASAP. Thanks for all for joining us here live, and it's a mile-high salute, as always, to our Super Chat superstars. Really appreciate each and every one of you. You know that, you guys. And uh, Nick will be back Saturday with Luke, so stay tuned for that Saturday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, uh, Zach and I will be back tomorrow night, same time. So, Nick, have a, a great rest of your week, my brother. Yeah, you too. Stay safe, and thanks for coming on. All right, guys. For Nick, I'm Chad. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow night. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.